I'm joined today by Richard Oldfield of Oldfield Partners. Richard is the manager of the St James's Place High Octane Fund. Good day to you, Richard. Richard, with this being a more concentrated portfolio of 20 holdings, does that present more challenges in these more um, volatile market conditions? Uh, it does pose some, some extra challenges, and um, uh, the, obviously the stock-specific risk is, is greater for a concentrated portfolio than uh, one which is not concentrated. Um, I've always thought that uh, we're just as likely to have in, let's say, a 60-stock portfolio three which go wrong, as we are in a 20-stock portfolio one that go wrong. So I think there can be a false comfort in, in uh, diversification through numbers alone. Uh, we do aim at diversification across countries and sectors and ideas, and I think that is the, that is the more serious comfort, which of course doesn't prevent accidents and it doesn't prevent the return uh, being wildly different from the index in periods and sometimes that's better and sometimes that's worse. Uh, but I think that by numbers alone you can get a false sense of diversification. So do you think it's more difficult or less difficult than managing money five years ago? I think there was, there was a period in the, in the mid-2000s when things flowed along pretty smoothly. Um, the economies were growing uh, fairly smoothly from year to year. The Fed was accommodative. There wasn't very much to throw uh, markets off course. Um, although I say that with, with the benefit of, of hindsight, and it probably didn't seem so at the time. Uh, I think it's more difficult than then. We've got, we've got an economic backdrop, which is much more difficult. We've got much more un plain uncertainty, particularly in the Eurozone, where we have uh, these two binary outcomes, which we kind of know one, one of them has to come about, but we really have no idea which it's going to be. Is it going to be a sort of pretty full fiscal and political union on the one hand, or is it going to be a bust-up? We just don't know because it lies in the hands of um, uh, economic figures to some extent, but also it lies in the hands of politicians and it lies in the hands of electorates ultimately. And I think it's particularly difficult for doing the kind of thing that we're doing at the moment, where we are investing in value, in some cases in pretty deep value, and we have no idea of the timing of when these things come right. We have a very deep conviction that if you invest in, in value, then uh, your prospective rate of return is good. Uh, but, uh, but it may be some time before you get it to a turning point in a lot of situations. So uh, yeah, I think it is more difficult. So are those the deep value opportunities that you've been referring to? Yes, exactly. And I think, I mean, a classic example of this, I think, is, is Renault, uh, where we bought um, some uh, in the middle of last year. And then in November, this time last year, Renault was selling at 27 euros. And the, the value of its stake in Nissan alone was 52 euros. Uh, so that the value attributed to the core Renault operation was about minus 25 or minus 27. And however bad uh, Renault may be, and it is in a very difficult situation in France especially, uh, however bad it may be, it can't be worth minus 25 euros. And so I think when you've got that kind of a discount, it is an outstanding value opportunity because it's so straightforward. You have the share price of one company at a deep discount to the value of the shares of other companies that it owns. Uh, and what it shows is an extraordinary amount of fear. And fear is usually a good condition in which to be investing. Um, now that, in a year in which we've done an awful lot of things which have not come right at all, 
uh, that thankfully has been pretty good. We've still those, we've got a large discount, even though the share price is up by about 45% this year. Uh, still, it is a large discount to the value of its stakes in Nissan and Volvo and Daimler. You mentioned a moment ago that you've had some more difficult stocks in the portfolio in the past 12 months. Can you tell us a bit more about those? Some of the stocks which have been particularly uh, problematic are um, uh, standing out from, from all the rest, Nokia and Hewlett-Packard. Uh, uh, Nokia we bought not in the glory days, we bought Nokia when it was already, uh, it was already in considerable trouble, which is the kind of company which we're attracted to, where something has gone wrong, which has pushed down the share price more than we think is justified by the fundamentals. The phone business of Nokia, which is, of course, what the business is really about, is, is very problematic. It is not for sure that their new uh, joint venture with, with Microsoft will pay off. Uh, Lumia has been, has been uh, launched. They had a disastrous launch in New York uh, for various technical reasons. Uh, the website crashed within minutes. What we thought was really interesting was that when the website doing the broadcast of this launch um, crashed. The share price dropped by 10% almost immediately. And what that suggests is that it isn't the, the message or the content of the message uh, which was deemed to matter by the stock market. It was just the fact that the messenger had fallen flat on his face, uh, which in a way is a, is a very trivial thing. It has nothing to do with the quality of the product. And when you get that kind of reaction, it suggests that there is a really overblown negativity uh, and that means that if you have a glimmer of good news, uh, then you may get a quite disproportionate reaction in the share price. Uh, and we are very optimistic about Nokia, and I'll say why in just a second. But one could, see, one could see a very sharp move very quickly. Why are we optimistic? The phone business is problematic, and we're not, we're not, uh, we're not uh, plonking everything on success of the phones. Our downside case has always been that the intellectual property is worth an enormous amount. And we've had various deals which give us a sort of cross-reference to the value of their intellectual property, their patents and their licenses. And we've written several notes on this, but we come to a conclusion that the intellectual property is worth between about $7.5 billion and $20 billion. Uh, and that is more, even at the lower end, than the current market cap of Nokia. They also have uh, half share in NSN, which is a telephone infrastructure business. Uh, and they have Navtech, which is the mapping business, which they bought for 5.4 billion euros a few years ago. It's not worth anything much like that now, uh, but it is maybe 1 to 2 billion euros. So you have in the downside case uh, a great deal more than the current market cap of Nokia. The upside is that the phone business works. And, and then the upside is enormous and we needn't worry about the value of the intellectual property. Um, and so we think there is, there's, a, there's a great deal of upside in Nokia. So we've talked about Nokia. What about another technology stock? Um, perhaps you could help us understand the reason behind the underperformance in Hewlett-Packard. Hewlett-Packard uh, is obviously a very uh, problem-struck company. Uh, it had four executives in about a year and a half. It now has as chief executive Meg Whitman, formerly of eBay. And so far, even though there's been a well-publicised debut recently with the allegations about autonomy, uh, we feel that the management has been, the new management has been more or less on track in extremely difficult circumstances. They've got a decline in the printer business. They've got, got a decline in the PC business. Even on our bare case, which assumes a 33% drop in revenues in printers, 
uh, a fall in margins by, by half in printers, a fall in PC revenues, uh, and, and a drop in margins from the current level of about 5% to 2%, which is the level of margin of Lenovo. And then also some pretty radical, uh, a sharp knife to the, the, the P&L of the enterprise business. Even with all those things, we get to uh, a earnings per share of $2.50, and the stock price is about 13 Now, the market is clearly saying this is a company on the road to ruin. Uh, there's a lot of shorting activity. We're told that no sensible investment manager holds Hewlett-Packard. We cannot see that it is on the road to ruin. It had free cash flow in the year just ended of more than $6 billion, uh, and that is on a market cap of about $30 billion, so a free cash flow yield of about 20%. Uh, I, I've talked about our bear case. Our, our base case is, is obviously more than that, and so we feel there is enormous upside and a, and a, and a really exaggerated view about the decline in printer demand on the view that everybody's gone paperless, uh, a decline in PC demand on the view that everybody's gone to tablets. Uh, and of course these things, these trends are happening, but they don't happen in that completely binary way. So you move from position A to position Z with nothing in between. And what about the Japanese stocks in the portfolio? Yeah, we're, we're very excited about Japan. I think we're the only people in the world who are. Um, uh, a lot of people have finally given up. Uh, we have two sorts of stocks in Japan. One, what I regard as companies at the sharp end, like Fanuc, which is a robotics company, uh, and Canon, which makes cameras and so forth. And these are technological leaders, and you get rare opportunities to buy them at attractive valuations. Uh, but Japan being Japan, and having been in decline for two decades, it is the kind of place which has produced these opportunities in the last two or three years. Uh, Fanuc, we bought at less than 10 times earnings. It isn't that anymore. We bought it at less than 10 times earnings, a company with 40% operating margins, a 20% market share across its businesses, loads of cash in the balance sheet and no debt. Uh, and in a sector, robotics, which we can be pretty sure is a major area of, of, um, in, of interest over the next 10 years or so. And then on, at the other end of the spectrum, we have what I call the dinosaurs. Uh, and these are companies like Hitachi, which is a terrible amorphous conglomerate that does just about everything that you can imagine. And three or four years ago was in crisis. Uh, and it was because they were in crisis. It wasn't because they particularly woke up one morning and thought we want to emphasize profitability in the future. It was because they really had to, to get out of crisis, change their, 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 their attitude, their whole management philosophy. Uh, that they have, they have made those changes. Uh, they've changed the management, they have changed various aspects of the business, they've sold a lot of businesses, consumer businesses, in which they were never going to be number one or number two or even number three. They have um, uh, reorganized the structure, they brought in, they bought in the minority of a lot of the businesses of which they owned about half. Uh, there have been some very major changes. They've got a return on equity target of 13.5%. And, and our expectations have been, uh, and they were pretty dreamy expectations at the beginning in April 2010 when we first bought the stock, they've been completely realised. Uh, Hitachi has come through with the goods. And against a very, a very weak Japanese market, which on the whole has not done us any good, we've had more than 20% in Japanese shares, and that's been a big handicap in the last year. Hitachi has, has really shown that it can be done. 
and, and, uh, and has performed strongly. And I think that if Hitachi can turn as king of the dinosaurs, then anything in Japan can turn. And that is really the ultimate excitement about Japan. So whilst it's always difficult to look into the future, I sense a mood of optimism for the prospects for 2013. Is that fair? I think there's an enormous amount of value in the portfolio and, and one can never be sure uh, as, as a value manager when that value is going to get uncovered. But 2013 is as good a time as any. Richard Oldfield, thank you very much. Thank you. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.